Welcome, everyone, to the Living with Tole Teleseminar. This is your host, Greg Larson. And also, tonight we have uh, Leo on the line. How are you doing, Leo? I'm doing very well, Greg. How are you? Excellent, excellent. Good, good, good. Just came uh, from a uh, nice bike ride with the kids, enjoying the beautiful day outside, just making the most out of the summertime. Excellent. So it's not in the hundreds, uh, I guess, though? No, it's cooled down. <laughs> it's cooled down. It's nice and breezy, and uh, it's just a beautiful day out there. Beautiful day. Perfect. And for everyone else joining the call, just to let you know, tonight's call, the, the topic is... Uh, one I've had in mind ever since meeting our guest. Our guest tonight is Richard Nick Fife, and I, when I met Nick back in May, having these conversations uh, with him about, you know, being gay and the pain body and some of the situations he was in in his lifetime that that added to his pain body and that created this very constricted space for living and through that suffering and being. Uh, restrained by that, by those ideas, by those beliefs, that was what sent him on his spiritual quest in which he stumbled upon Eckhart Tolle. So I'm very excited about tonight's call and having these conversations. Uh, like I said, the the topic is healing the gay, gay pain body. And uh, just a little bit more about Nick before we, we get into the conversation. Uh, Nick is a peace minister with the non-denominational uh, interfaith beloved community and as a minister of spiritual peacemaking Nick works with other gay men who find themselves in the grips of Christian fundamentalism and especially men who are now in a traditional marriage and find themselves living a lie and that was the situation Nick found himself in just a bit more here uh, Nick is from Ohio and has lived in Arizona for the last six years with his partner Brian and they've been together for ten years but after graduating from high school, Nick married at the very young age of 18 and soon after had two sons. And when he was outed as gay, he divorced at age 23. In years and decades of self-judgment and family rejection and loss of visitation with his sons, you know, his depression deepened and manifested, he says here, in a self-induced Christian fundamentalist mindset. The combination of being gay and Christian launched him into a deep spiritual quest for relief from his depression. So that's a little bit about Nick's story and where he comes from. And, uh, of course, as, he, as was mentioned there, it was coming across the teachings of Eckhart Tolle that really gave him some deep insights and some, um, some ways of living that allowed him to find relief from that. And so Nick will be talking about his story and sharing a little bit about that and exploring, you know, ways or the teachings of Eckhart Tolle helped him do that. So, so let's go ahead and bring on Nick. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I don't have, I'm not as fortunate as Leo. I'm in Arizona, so it's about 110 here now. So. <laughs> wow. wow. You know, there's your spiritual practice right there. You can That's go outside right. and be in the weather and then be present with that. Yes. And I have to say that's a <laughs> challenge at times. Oh, yes. This is this is what we refer to as our winter out here when we close up and stay inside most of the time. Wow. But I'm 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 I delighted think... to be here and I wanna express my great appreciation for you hosting this topic. Um it's a topic that doesn't make the daily news. It's it's held in the shadows mm. deeply. And to bring a little bit of light to this and maybe crack an opening for some light to come in to more um and i don't i'll be speaking primarily about men tonight but of course this subject spans the whole gay world uh of women men transgendered transgendered and bisexuals as well so i don't want to exclude anyone at all in this topic uh, and i again i appreciate you bringing it to light it's a pleasure to, uh, to to discuss it and share it with the world, and and I want to say thank you for for joining us and uh, and for ultimately for for opening up your life story 
um, as as you already have by way of introduction there through Greg. Um, and I just want to thank you for for coming on and, and sharing all of this with us. Thank you, Nick. You're you are quite welcome. It's 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 such a pleasure to bring this subject, and and yet it is a painful subject. Mm-hmm. And I know that um, there are some people on this call that I had invited that are in the grips of of this right now. Uh, either having been in uh, straight marriages, and I really try to avoid these labels all I can, but uh, there are some on the call that are in the grips of this right now or or recently coming out of um, Mm -hmm. marriages that are what we would call traditional. So there is a lot of pain around this, and as we get into the call, I'd like to bring up the subject of what I call the other gay marriage, and that, that being... You know, you can't turn on the news today without hearing something politically or religiously about the subject of of gay marriage. Well, I'd like to look at it on this call from a slightly different uh, perspective, and that being the gay marriage that really maybe should never have happened and hopefully will not have to happen going forward. You know, this it creates such a tremendous amount of pain, not only for the for the man involved, but for the spouse, and just like in my case, for the children, uh, we end up creating a lot of suffering for ourselves as well as the spouse and, and the children. And most of the time, this is this is a shadow secret that is held on to sometimes for decades at a time, and then when it comes out, the suffering is immense. So whatever we can do to bring a little light so that maybe a glimmer of hope will come about in future, in the future and in the now, as Eckhart would say, uh, about not feeling the pressure of society and religion as a whole to conform through their conditioning to do what everyone else does and has told them is the right thing to do when in essence it violates their truth. So hopefully this is a call that can set some people free. How beautiful is that? Thank you so much for kind of prefacing the conversation, you know, how it unfolded for you and then where you're at when you were introduced to the teachings of Eckhart Tolle and how they kind of allowed you to begin shifting out of that depression and and those insights and, and new ideas that Eckhart was introducing in your life, how that allowed you to grow spiritually so you could be at peace again. It, I have to say it has been a long journey, and quite honestly, at times it's been an extraordinarily painful journey, which I'm sure others can relate to. As you mentioned, I got married at the age of 18 right after I graduated from high school, and that was primarily... I had in my mind, I will never have this thought of being attracted to a man again if I get married to a woman. And, of course, that thought never went away. And then the thought came in, have a child, and then I will be so occupied that I will never have that thought again. And then a second child. And then when, when my truth came out, then it, it was a horrific time, not only for myself, but for my ex-wife, and my sons, Jeremy and Aaron. And the last time I saw them uh, was when they were six and four years old. And even though we've, we have a, approached the subject of contact, they're not ready to do that yet. Uh, they're, they're both deeply involved in the Catholic Church, so it, it, it violates what uh, their religious tradition is all about. And so I started my own journey I was raised as a Lutheran, deeply involved in evangelical Lutheran church. I became a Baptist. In, there, in the middle of that, I was married um, in the Catholic church. So I, I, had, I had a full tilt, <laughs> had exposure to all of them. And within all of them, uh, this subject was, was brought up on many different occasions. And so often, sitting there in a church or in, in group dialogues, and going, oh my God, I'm this evil person that they're all talking about. I'm the incarnation of an evil being. So I'm inherently wrong. And from this, this launched me in quite a quest. Back in the 80s, 
luckily I came came across Marianne Williamson, who was a great, great help to me. But depression weaved in and out. I found what Marianne had to say almost too good to be true. So, of course, then, you know, I kept searching and searching. And then when I came across Eckhart, then my whole world changed. And my world changed on page 144 of The Power of Now when he was asked the question, is being gay a help or a hindrance to awakening and spiritual growth? And that, that page rather rocked my world. Hmm. And when I began to explore what, what he really meant by that, and saw deeply that the truth in what he was saying, that it can definitely be a hindrance if I, as a gay man, see nothing in myself but the gayness. And if I become nothing but a gay man and my life and, and world revolves around that label. So th- that would be the hindrance. The glorious part of what he said there was that it can also be a help because those of us that that are gay, from a very young age, we know we're different. Uh, We know we're extraordinarily different. We don't know why. We don't know what it is. But we do feel on the sidelines of humanity. And from that, from, from what he said in that line, I realized deeply that it that being gay is what launched me into the, the search, and I am so grateful now not only for being gay but uh, but for being uh, a student of Eckhart's teachings. He and I and I must add also one of my favorite teachers was Jay Krishnamurti, who who has really launched me into the freedom of, of, of self discovery in moving beyond authority of any type, whether it be the family structure or um, especially the religious structure. Because as we may explore here, the gay pain body is without question more influenced and becomes more and more dense because of uh, the religious traditions and, and the religious teachings. And I, I do want to point out that I do not, I, I don't want to in any way put down any religion at all. The way I, I have grown to believe is that we have one creator source, and that creator source helped found, helped to found all of those great religions of the world as we know them now. And it is only what man has done with those religions since that time. Where, where there has been a problem come about that is so profound, so deeply profound, and so deeply injurious to so many people. Yeah, and almost what I would add there is it's not even, I, I think it's you know important to add this, it's not even people who do that, it's the egoic conditioning and the pain body of humanity that takes these wonderful um, openings that turn into religions and then corrupts them or sabotages them or usurps them for very selfish egoic needs. So I agree that those religions all have, you know, all point to, to source to God and have wonderful practices and wonderful spiritual insights. And unfortunately they're corrupted or usurped by the ego and then used to inflict, you know, such pain and suffering which isn't really the, the fault of those those spiritual leaders or the you know the spiritual founders or the the teachings, but it's just the way individuals and maybe even the collective church himself goes about you know trying to protect itself as an egoic structure. So you you said that beautifully, Greg, and I I just need to reemphasize so much that. Um, there is such tremendous beauty to be found in, in every spiritual tradition. And as a peace minister, I've been privileged to study many of them, including Native, Native American traditions and all of the great religions of the world. And the point is that they point to our, 
in essence, very much everything that Eckhart teaches without the dogma. So Eckhart, meaning that Eckhart teaches without the dogma. So it, it is a blessing, and I just cannot tell you how, how grateful I am to Eckhart and his teachings. I had the privilege of meeting with him personally, as you did, Greg, back in May, and uh, it was quite an experience to be in that man's presence. I would agree. That was quite an experience to be in his presence and to give him a hug and to have a few minutes to chat with him. That was that was quite a, a a beautiful moment and one that I will cherish for sure. And one thing I wanted to kind of turn the, the conversation to is, you know, part of our our, our uh, focus here on living with Tole is you know applying the teachings to everyday life. And I don't know if there's a specific, you know, very practical insight or, or spiritual practice that allowed you to begin, you know, you know, that you use in everyday life to kind of move you forward on your journey. Is there anything specific that you came across that you could share? Well, there are many of them, but the one that stands out the most is, is becoming very, very clear on what is insane in the world and what is not insane what is conscious and what is what is totally unconscious so in my exploration as i began to explore and and again this journey looking through these different religions was very painful at times as I, as i know many um many gay men and women explore many many different traditions to see if they can find some peace and ultimately you know they they find roadblocks but when one can see deeply the egoic insanity that is at the base of, of many religious teachings, the dogma that has come out of it, and to go, oh my gosh, one day I don't have to any longer conform to an authority figure from the church. I have direct access to a total spaciousness, ever-loving, eternal presence that I do not need anyone's permission to go to. I can go to directly. I can allow that presence to infiltrate my whole life, and I do not need anyone's approval to do that. And that, Greg and Leo, that, that was really the turning point for me when I said, it is fine, it's safe, it's wonderful and delightful to lay the religious dogma along the wayside and go directly to the source. It's amazing how one's life can change where freedom and peace can come in. Mm. The ironic part for me as, as a, with a Christian background is to see once one does this, then the teachings of Jesus is taught in the church, you begin to see through the dogma, and it is not about leaving Jesus or whoever whoever it is that you follow. You find yourself going, oh my gosh, this is the real person. This, this this, This is who I can live and love and understand and come to for guidance. So, ironically, Eckhart's teachings did not, where it pulled me away from the fundamentalist side, but it allowed me to see to the true teachings. And, oh, that, that makes all the difference in the world. I hear that, I hear that. And part of this exploration is you know, coming, you know, coming to realize that your suffering is being, is, is, is uh, you know, so as you said, even said in the, in the description, it's self-induced because of a, a specific way you're framing it or looking at it. And so it sounds like the, the insight allows you to step back and separate yourself from the, from the dogma, if you want to call it that, or just from those, the, the way of thinking that's so constrictive or, res- or restrictive. Yes, yes. I, yeah, again, you said that beautifully. I, I think one of the, the greatest teachings is to, is to realize, 
as we go deeper in the discussion of, of the gay pain body is that the, the, the gay pain body is different and unique from other pain bodies as I see it because through dogmatic and doctrinal teachings, then one sees themselves, as I said earlier, as inherently evil, that something is defective. And that's where the separation comes about. So, yes, through Eckhart's teachings, then you can see, you know, even, even if you use the term being gay, being comes before gay. So when one can see first the beingness within themselves, and then we go into the label of the gay, and that can be a whole other conversation. And maybe this is the right time to discuss that. The, the label of gay, to me, is one of the most limiting labels of, of any that we have. When one, when one is identified as gay, then for many people, that's where the being ends. A gay person is no longer seen in many respects in any other regards other than gay. So the gay person who's lost out there becomes the gay decorator, the gay airline flight attendant, all of the stereotypical things. And from that label, their beingness is lost. They, they become totally just that. And uh, th this is where I see the problem. You know, it's, and some of the guys I talk to, I ask them who they are. And, and inevitably I get, I'm a decorator, I design clothes, I'm a florist, or I'm a plumber, and all of those labels, but they always proceed it well, it's odd being a gay plumber. And they put the gay first. So missing out, missing out on life, as I see it, when the label becomes who you are. Nick, let me, let me ask you. Uh, oh, go ahead, Leo. Yeah, yeah, go yeah, ahead. Uh, I've been, uh, it, it, something that, that struck me, um, uh, that it, it might be relevant to, to, to this conversation, um, the, the aspect of the label, right, and becoming that label and the kind of frame of mind that that uh, label creates because, um, you know, the, the gay label, right, you're mentioning. Um, but I'm thinking in terms of, uh, of course, you're from Arizona, so you're quite um, aware of the, the conversations going around now in terms of immigration. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from Argentina originally, so I've always considered myself an immigrant, you know, and uh, there are, you know, certain things about labeling myself as an immigrant, as an other, right, as somebody who's Hispanic or Latino or whatever, that automatically sets myself uh, apart from the rest of the people. And so living with that, you know, that, that label has, is something that I'm, I'm familiar with, the, the, the aspect of label and what labels can do, right, in terms of I identify with the label and letting other people identify me with the label. Um, I think a similar label could be, you know, race, anything related, related to race, right? The, the black or the Italian or, or whatever, the, the, any, any kind of uh, ethnicity uh, label. So it just in, in, in terms of, of, of uh, general mode of being, uh, when we use labels, uh, so to, to generalize, generalize here a little bit, when we use labels to identify ourselves or to let ourselves be identified, uh, we're automatically setting ourselves apart, it seems. Um, and, and that can lead to consciousness, or like Eckhart says in, in the quote that you, that you talked about from Power of Now, that could lead to over-identification with that label and the embattled nature of that position. You know, we're always being under attack, we're always defending ourselves, or we're always... Um, and so I think what you're pointing to is the, uh, the, the point of enlightenment would be to transcend that embattled um, a state of being and to get back to just being uh, so that we see the commonalities and the, the common life force that unites us all, even those who, who are labeling me or even those who I label myself as different from. Um, I think it's, it's a fascinating thing that you're, I think you're, you're starting to point to that, that kind of ability to look beyond the label and how important that is in really recognizing the common life force that, 
that unites us all and brings us all together and can lead to that uh, state of peace and state of acceptance and, and state of love for the world. Exactly, Leo. Um, it, what, what strikes me the most about the term gay mm. is, is how limiting it really is. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I come across this daily in, in my conversations with, with men. And by the way, these are men of all ages, men who are in marriages for 30, 40 years or whatever. And they don't want to attach the label, but yet they are living that lifestyle so that the, mm-hmm. the unspoken label is still a part of them. And it, it, is, it is so very detrimental. And, you know, this, this labeling aspect, not only in the gay world, but if we label someone as a fundamentalist or mm-hmm. someone as a Republican or a Democrat, mm-hmm. in, in today's world, that's as far as it goes. You see, you see no further past that person than the label of Republican or Democrat. Mm-hmm. The beingness is lost, mm-hmm. and, and I see this as, you know, the, the primary cause of the polarities that we see, particularly in the United States right now. Mm-hmm. This kind of leads me into something that I, I don't want to fail to bring up, the, the subject of don't ask, don't tell. And most of us in the United States know that this is a military clause where if you are gay in the military, that you don't ask and don't tell. I, I think we... we we have actually limited the use of that term to the military only when that term actually in all its its actuality has has been the state of affairs for gay men literally for centuries don't ask don't tell anyone so it's it's living in secrecy it's denying who you are so if i can emphasize that point uh, a little bit more in the, in the daily life of of a gay person. They they are so limited in this. Don't ask, don't tell. It applies in the workplace. It applies going to the gym. It applies particularly if someone knows you are are gay and you want to go for a workout at the gym and take a shower then the don't ask, don't tell is if it got told, then then you're in trouble. So the gay person at that point, as I always say, becomes like a hypervigilant cat, always, always on guard, maybe resting at times, maybe with eyes closed at times, but the ears are always up. They're always in tune. They're always waiting for the next trigger, for the next thing to be said. And this is so limiting to one's life and to the freedom and joy, the, the joy that they could experience when, when they learn and grow to see that they are part of one unified universe with one source, one source of love. That's a very powerful description of that. Like you said, almost continuously 24-7 on guard, and then, so what that leads me to to think is, how does that, you know, constant state of fear or alertness or or looking out, how does that add to the pain body? Therefore, creating a greater challenge in in uh, finding freedom from that. It, in essence, Greg, it is the pain body in action. And then, what happens yeah. when when the the pain body arrives at that place where it knows it has to be hyper vigilant? And, and do keep in mind that, that the gay pain body, for many of us, um, crawled into being at a very, very early age. You know, a young man that is not physically adept on a baseball field knows something is wrong, knows he's different, can't throw the ball as well maybe, and the pain body is already starting to come into effect there. has no idea it's a gay pain body, but in essence that's exactly what it is. So, so this is so deeply entrenched. One other point I want to make here when we discuss the gay pain body is that the gay pain body is not only confined to the gay person. The gay pain body is deeply felt in the family members and friends of a gay person. Mm. A, parent, a parent feels deeply 
they worry deeply, they're concerned deeply that their child is being seen differently, being treated differently. So, so my emphasis here is that this gay pain body is not confined only to that, that person, but, is, is, but spreads out. You know, it's, you know, my partner's parents are one who are always, always deeply concerned about his, how Brian will be seen in daily life. You know, Brian happens to be a very well-adjusted guy and, and, and has a very thin pain body compared to most, very, very thin. But still, even at that, you know, he's very athletic, and at the same time, he's always on guard about someone finding out. So is there true freedom there for him? More so than most, yes, but totally, absolutely not. Yeah, it sounds like there's all, until society shifts or until uh, the collective shifts and, you know, recognizes the just the expression of God as it's coming through, you know, in however form that is, until that happens, there's almost going to be an, a, a, a hyper-alertness to that situation. Yes, yes, and and to that point, you know, in, in my growing up in the 60s and 70s, when, when this subject was not out there and talked about, um, you know, that was a, an insanity within itself. But now what I hear from many that, and, and I kind of um, cringe when I hear this, that, that many gay men especially wish that this outing of the gay world had never occurred that it has made it so much more difficult, that the triggers to the pain body are much more prevalent in, in daily life now. You can't turn on the news. You flip on, on Fox News and, and, and you're going to hear something about it within a few minutes. I'm not one that does that, by the way, but, but you, know, you hear this from many different people. Or you, you're driving down the street and you see... Uh, a church sign that says something about hell, that triggers the, the gay pain body because of this deep, deep conditioning that there's something inherently wrong with them. So, you know, I could go on and on about the triggers, but, but they're there in everyday life. You see them on TV commercials when, when one guy jumps away from another guy uh, walking down the street as to not get too close. Well, what's the insinuation there? Is that men should never be close. They can't be close. The only time that, it, that it's appropriate for one man to touch another man, seemingly in today's world, is if he's playing football and he gets slapped on the butt when he scores a <laughs> touchdown. So that's a manly thing. Hmm. Well, it, it doesn't work that way for the rest of us. So pain body is deeply entrenched, not only in the individual, but, but in uh, the family as well. So, uh, Nick, I wonder how this um, hyper alertness and and the 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 uh, hyper vigilance and almost a heightened state of sensitivity, uh, maybe even uh, a higher degree of susceptibility to the pain body's eruptions, right? Um, yeah. That you know, because Eckhart's teachings also incorporate the idea of. Uh, not necessarily wanting to get rid or battle the pain body, whether it's a collective pain body or individual pain body, but almost incorporating it as a practice of enlightenment, right? Almost incorporating as a practice of awareness so that you, you learn to identify when it does erupt, when it does act up and, and it starts to feed on your thoughts or uh, it starts to, you know, challenge your, your state of consciousness, so to speak. Um, and and so becoming more and more aware of it and more conscious of it uh, i just I, I wonder um you know for for the the case of of the gay pain body um so there's more sensitivity and there's almost like a a greater uh, degree of pain to some degree or there might be more uh susceptibility to more quick eruptions would you say also that that could also lead to a, a more um, I don't know, more ease of consciousness, uh, a better, a closer relationship with that pain body that might allow that kind of awareness, that might allow that kind of transcendence of the pain, and, and that might allow a, 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 somebody who's 
conscientious and, and, and aware of all of this that might allow them uh, a quicker access to that enlightenment, right, that uh, includes forgiveness, includes love, includes uh, awareness of one source, um, includes being able to not identify with the pain body so much that it completely takes over, right? Would you say that that might be the case or, 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 or not? Yeah. Or do you... oh, oh, definitely. And the key word that you said there to me is, is sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And collectively, not speaking for everyone in, in the gay world, but collectively uh, gay men are highly sensitive individuals, have to be have to be for self-preservation. Mm-hmm. Learn this at a very early age to be young and in many cases to be able to protect themselves physically from abuse. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, there is a, a built-in higher degree of sensitivity. And in, in speaking of people, this is the point that I, that I emphasize the most. So we're traditionally being a sensitive man that was that was taboo, and in many mm. cases is still taboo. So, when when one embraces then the sensitivity, and one becomes clear about their understanding of the collective pain body mm. and their individual pain body, then then we move to how the sensitivity that you are and have within you is your brilliance to awakening. Mm-hmm. It is the open door. So to no longer feel any shame about that level of sensitivity, but to embrace it and see that that is your opening. You know, I I can't stress this enough. To, to be able to truly identify what is the pain body, what are my triggers, I'll become very sensitive to that. I'll use my intuitive sensitivity to see deeply how my pain body is affecting me, mm. become ever, ever aware of it, more, more and more aware of it, and that same seeing is the opening, is the opening to awakening. And I've seen this happen with many, many people, and it's a glorious thing, but we have to stop shaming the sensitivity of the gay man. That's where we lose it. And if the person can ever come to grips with that, then they're, then they're lost. They're totally lost. So you make a great point, Leo. Wonderful. The intuitive sensitivity, I like that. The the doorway to, to one's brilliance, the the awakening that it's it's it, it's nice because it's hopeful, you know. Uh I think the message that, that you're 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 living, um and that you're sharing is is not so much one of um, it is one of pain, but it's also one of uh, brilliance and awakening through the pain, which is ultimately one of hope, uh, which is hopefully something that will touch our, our listeners and inspire them to uh, to to become more aware of, of, of the sensitivity of of the pain and and and, and lead them to that path of uh, of, of, of awakening, of, of of being at one, being present, um, and, and just but, ultimately being so fully aware mm-hmm. that it's okay to be sensitive. That it, that it's, <laughs> that's a beautiful gift to be sensitive. Mm-hmm. And you know, in many ways, um, I study a lot of what many people refer to as the return of the divine feminine. Mm. And as we all know that the, wor- that the world has been controlled by a masculine energy, this planet, from, virtually from its inception, and as the world is shaking up and this masculine energy is being so, so shaken to the core, so as to say the ego of the masculine energy is beginning to crumble, and that's why you see it asserting itself even more and more. Mm-hmm. Well, when one comes into recognition that their sensitivity is a beloved aspect of themselves, then they become a conduit for the for the divine feminine, the balance to come back in. And this is not in any way to replace the masculine energy on the planet, but to bring into balance the feminine and the masculine energy. And quite honestly, I believe that gay people are way ahead of the, on the bell curve when they come to realize this that they do house within themselves this beautiful elegance uh, of having more access to the balance of the masculine and the feminine energy just because of the way we were made. 
you know, and how brilliant is that to know mm-hmm. that we may be a little bit ahead of the bell curve in helping other people to understand how the feminine, joyful, compassionate energy and, and peaceful energy that is reemerging on the planet is, is available to come through them as soon as they accept their own sensitivity. That's wonderful. That just gave me chill bumps all over my body, mm. Nick. That was a powerful, powerful insight and a powerful recognition of, like I said, there's an expression of God coming through on the planet in many ways. One of those ways happens to be, you know, the label is a gay man, but basically just a human being mm. who's oriented in, this, in a certain way. And as you just said there, that orientation allows for this kind of this... Uh, 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 expression of both the feminine and the masculine, and actually there is, uh, the word here is uh, someone who is an example of how, what we're emerging into, someone who is modeling that. So the, the you know, again, these are just a title, and I don't even feel like using it anymore, but a gay man almost is someone who can model what a human being is like when they're, when the feminine and the masculine are integrated a little bit more, more deeply. And isn't that a beautiful realization for a gay man who's out there in terror, who is feeling alone, ostracized, to know that quite possibly he can make make a tremendous influence on the entire planet by accepting himself exactly as he is, just as God made him, as God introduced him to the world. And only through some clouding of that by his conditioning did that get covered up so now it's time to let it let it blossom come to truth recognize that that yes because of our misconceptions that we have caused suffering to ourselves and we've caused tremendous suffering to other people as well and once once one sees that then the flower begins and as Eckhart says sometimes we need the mud through which the consciousness can grow through. So this is where I see it. We've been living in the mud, but the time to flower is now. And it's a brilliance that I hope the planet survives to see. I hear that. I hear that. Thank you. That was an excellent uh, share there. And you know, I want to, since we're, we're coming to the later half of the call here, I want to make time available for anyone who might have a, a question or want to share their story in the call. So we'll make space for that. Now, if anyone has you know, a question for Nick or Lee or myself or wants to share their story, go ahead and hit star six on your phone, and that will, in a sense, uh, you'll be raising your hand. I'll, I'll see it here on the dashboard, and I'll go ahead and invite you into the call. So if anyone would like to join the conversation or share their story, this would be a perfect time to do that right now. Hi there. Welcome to the call. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey there, guys. Uh, this is Randy from Ohio. Hey, Randy. Hey, Nick. Hey, Greg. Hey, Leo. I've enjoyed uh, listening to the uh, to what you've been saying thus far. Bear with me if my um, cell phone goes out. It's not that I'm hanging up or uh, chickening out. Um, it's just that when I got onto the call, the first part, um, I got my I lost my connection, so I'm on my cell. So bear with me. Um, but I wanted to. Uh, for, I, I don't want to take a lot of time, and so feel free to cut me off, or or ask me anything. But I, I want to just say a few things. Um, that uh, first, I want to say hey to Nick. Nick, I've gotten to know him over the past year and a half, and has been an amazing sort of coach, mentor, a source of encouragement um, to me personally, and uh, and my my hope, my goal, my prayer is that somehow I can pay that forward to somebody. My story is not unique in any sense, but listening to Nick and, and Nick's sort of um, autobiography, it's like, well, that's me too, in, in a nutshell. Um, married young, right out of college, um, you know, years of suppressing, gr- growing up in, um, you know, in a, uh, in a conservative Southern Baptist church down in Texas, and then, you know, growing up throughout the church, attending a Christian university, um, hearing, you know, all the time about being gay as being, uh, the word that comes to my mind is, uh, that I remember hearing was deviant. And, uh, and so 
they're they're you know growing up it's like that's the last thing I'll ever do is admit that I'm gay. Are you crazy? No way. Um, it wasn't until about two years ago, this time, where I started to do a lot of sort of self introspection and, and re- evaluating my life because I was approaching the age of forty um, that following spring, and I kind of looked at my world, my life, and realized I'm kind of a robot, kind of dead inside, and it's starting to really show. And uh, and so through a lot of sort of, and I was the kid, I was never the kid that would that would uh, raise his hand and say, well, why do we believe what we believe? I just kind of, you know, I just went along with it and, and acknowledged that's just the way it is, and, and ooh, I've got this this problem or what do I, or quote unquote struggle. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, after, um, getting married and, and like Nick thinking, okay, getting married is going to fix it. Um, having children's going to fix it. You know, I did see, um, you know, Christian counselors. I never went through a, a major program, but I was essentially told, uh, okay, Randy, you're a bit of a rebel. Um, you know, and we can we can work through this. We can we can we can help you get back on track. It never worked, um, and uh, so it wasn't until much, for me much later in life, and that and that was the timing was probably right because I just wasn't ready. But the the time came for me to start to realize, okay, I I have to start raising my hand and and ask some questions because none of this adds up. It doesn't make sense. And culturally, I think we've become, we've moved, um, we've become uh, more forward, but yet I would say that we've still got a long way to go. So, um, but that's that's basically a bit of, of my background, and I am still such a baby or an infant in this sort of journey and learning stage. But um, I think the biggest thing for me and and in learning and really investigating and soul-searching is that I finally realized I've got to be honest, you know, I've really have to sort of be honest with myself first. And then, and I have to really let, and I've learned a lot through Nick and even through, um, you know, some of what I've read from Eckhart Tolle is about the ego and me having a huge massive ego in terms of letting that go and saying, well, that's one of the big sources of my, my pain and my turmoil so finally, le- learning, and, and I'm still learning, by the way, but learning to uh, let go of that ego and let go of that pride um, has, has taught me so much. Yeah, it's been a painful journey, painful. And I've got, I've got a road of pain still ahead of me. But what I've I, – I, I was just listening to you all, and um, the, I've learned to be aware now, and, and through that, I've – Sort of woken up. <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm hesitant to call it a, a, an awakening because I think at times I'm still asleep and I still suppress and I still deny. So, you know, I'm still in that process of awakening, but um, I think the biggest sort of learning for me and takeaway is that what you guys were talking about earlier in terms of as a result of the pain, you start to awaken and you become so much you're aware of your sensitivity and I remember as a kid I was always I would say I was a I remember my parents saying oh, he's such a sweet sensitive kid when I was much younger than I kind of turned into a hellion but um but I remember you know what I was a sensitive kid but I will tell you this growing up I learned to uh, lock that sensitivity up and to not show it and to really sort of like suppress it and then eliminate it from my life, where I really started to become a rather cold, hard-hearted person. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've realized for me lately is now I'm so much more aware of prejudice, and I'm so much more aware of labels, and I'm so much more aware of the things that other minorities and other people and other hardships that they've gone through that I never really experienced. You know, and But now I'm, I'm preparing myself for experiencing that um, for the first time as a 41-year-old divorced man in a, in a still very white-collar professional world. And, um, and, it's, and it's just amazing to me because it's, I do, it is a glorious thing when you really can start to say, you know what, I've, I'm now learning what it is to be human. human. What love really is. 
and what and how hungry the planet and humans are for for love and compassion because we live in a world that is 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 you know is pretty mean and pretty pretty nasty on both sides of the fence whether you're uh whether you're christian or whether you're you know secular or whether you're atheist you know there's so much uh there's so much out, out there and i think that if we all really kind of took a, a look at ourselves inside and when we were honest with ourselves we probably have a very different perspective on life and the beauty of it and on the a different perspective of of our fellow human beings and that you know what at the end of the day we're all the same we have the same bones we have the same whatever it is and uh and it's um i feel like we've come a long way but i feel like we've still got a long long way to go and i and i would agree with um the earlier mention of uh hopefully within our lifetime we'll see um, a different planet in terms of how we react to each other and how we really love each other and how we can be peaceful with each other. But um, that was that was pretty much, um, you know, what I wanted to say. And anyone else who is listening out there that, you know, is either in that sort of um, life or marriage or situation where um, you're, you don't know what to do or you're at a crossroad, my... my um, my learning has been, even if someone's not right next to you or even in the, in the same city, reach out and ask. Ask the creator for help. It's out there. And, um, and, it, and it shows its, uh, and it reveals itself in many different forms and uh, in many different sort of media or, or, or ways that is pretty amazing. And, and I've jokingly said, sometime, someday I'm going to, I may write a book. I don't know if anyone read. I would definitely need a, a ghostwriter to help me with it. But it's been an amazing journey. And while I too still it, and, and it ain't over, and I still fight depression. I still have a, have those days where I can't get out of bed. But I know that there is so much. Life is beautiful. There's so much more about about life and and really living and not being walking around like a a robot dead zombie conforming to a label or conforming to a, a way of life that that um, is not natural or that, that just goes against sort of your essence. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's, that's me in a nutshell, but um, um, I wanted to thank you guys for at least um, hosting this because um, it's been, it's been a, a really neat experience. You know, and one thing that really stuck out for me was when you said, you know, you just have to be honest with yourself. And I'm sure the the truth is there trying to bubble up from within, and it's when we become honest with ourselves where we can actually start taking steps in a different direction. But, of course, being honest, there's a lot of, and when you're still in the egoic, you know, structure and you're still trapped by the ego, there's a lot of fear and and doubt and you know, crazy thoughts that happen around that. But ultimately, if you can anchor yourself in that honesty and then discover teaching, like what, what I've discovered myself personally, the teachings of Eckhart Tolle have really allowed me to be honest with who I am in my own ways and then have a, some tools and practices that I've been able to use so I can move forward, I can move through the fear that the ego's projecting in my mind and, and the, an emotional uh, component with the pain body. And so I think that's real powerful what you said is really, you know, being honest with yourself and then from there you can take steps, even though there's fear, even though there's pain, but at least you can take steps, you know, aligning your life with who you honestly are. That's when you discover that the joy of being, and that's when you can feel love and, and love others. And there's such a richer experience of life if you can really just tune into who you are, mm. honestly express who you are and move through the the fear and the restraints that might be keeping you from expressing who you are honestly. Right. It, it, it's, it's so true. And, I, and that, was just, that was a major, major step for me is to really kind of come clean with myself and say, okay, wait, let's, let's be real. Let's be real for once in our life. And, and I did it, and it, was, and it was an amazing experience. Thank you, Randy. Randy's one of my heroes. <laughs> <laughs> And Nick, Nick is my hero. 
<laughs> yeah, we can blow up each other's egos on here a bit. <laughs> Randy, I, well, I Nick, what was what are some of your reflections on what Randy shared there? Just to wrap it up, you're kind of ending the the end of our call. So I just wanted any last comments you have about that, and then I know you want to talk about this forgiveness project you're working on. So we can kind of end with that then. Yes. I, what I want to say to Randy is just one quote that I love, and this is from a book that Jean Pascuzzi wrote. The title of the book is What If We're Him? And in that book, he says, the only sin you have ever committed was forgetting who you are, and the only atonement ever asked of you is to remember. And Randy is the example of doing that. Forgot who he was for a while, and he is remembering and waking up, and it, and it is a beautiful flower to watch, watch unfold. Pain, yes. Suffering, yes. But um, it, it's been a delight to be a part of his journey. Thank you, Nick. The, the other thing that um, I know we're heading towards the end here or on overtime, but I did want to introduce um, under the subject of forgiveness, and I do believe more so than anything that, that we as gay men have, and, and gay people of all types, have held quite a grudge and at times an almost in hate, a hatred towards uh, many different varieties of churches. And um, so collectively, what I've started as a program, and we're calling this the Declaration of Peace and Apology. And th this was, is in formation now. And if anyone, my email address is on um, uh, the Living with Holy website, and I would love to have some input from this. But to introduce this, because forgiveness is obviously the key to our own freedom. So as strange as this may sound for many in the gay world, we're offering an apology for our ill feelings and how we have bad-mouthed, etc., and put down the church. From my perspective, it's our time to step up to the plate and apologize to them for what we've done. In return for this, we desire nor require any response from any church. But this document, once it's, once it's completed, is going to be sent out in mass to as many churches that we can get our name on worldwide, including the head of the Mormon Church, the head of the Southern Baptist Conference, and we're not stopping there. We're going all the way to the Vatican. We don't expect anything in return. This is about us offering forgiveness and leaving it at that. And what we're also looking for is a place somewhere that will be identified where we can plant a peace pole to commemorate this declaration of peace and apology, someplace where it will stand forever as an offering of peace to the church for the ill will that we as a collective gay community have held against them. So I wonder, and that will be coming out on Facebook very soon. So if Greg allows me, we'll post that on the Living with Holy website. And it will just simply be, once it's up and running, it, the, the title of it will be uh, Declaration of Peace and Apology. And that's where you'll be able to find it. And by signing your name there, you are, you are offering your apology to any ill will that you have felt towards the church. And at that point, you are done with it. In the famous words of one who said it, it is finished then. It's finished. Sounds like a big shift in energy. And like you said, mm -hmm. whether the church responds or not, it, it's still a, a very big shift in energy. And I really want to commend you for, for, for taking that on and being honest and then you know, taking steps to reconcile and to, to feel peace in your own heart. Uh, it, absolutely, uh, fantastic, Nick. Uh, that, you know, I think that what we were talking about earlier in terms of, you know, going beyond the battle positions, you know, going beyond the anger, going beyond the uh, uh, the identity, just you know, kind of moving towards actively moving towards forgiveness and creating actively moving to towards acceptance, acceptance of the pain, owning it, being aware of it, that we're generating, you know, wherever uh, whoever the we is, you know, that that. That that's beautiful. That's beautiful. What a, what a paradigm shift that you're leading there. It's it's a great concept. I, hopefully, hopefully it will be received well. And to your point, Leo, there I reminded of a quote by Marianne Williamson said that God does not help you in the battle, 
that he he helps he rises you above the battlefield. Mm-hmm. So that's what I, that's what we're looking to do here is to not be in the battle any longer, but to rise above the battlefield, and that's the only place where true peace is going to exist anyway. Beautiful. Excellent. Well, thank you for sharing that, and that pretty much you know brings us to the end of our our time here. So if you have any closing comments or any closing insights or anything else you want to add there before we sign up, you know, go ahead and, and take a few seconds to do that also. I would like to just, if you, if you don't mind me reading something for just a moment, um, I'd like to close this way, keeping in mind the conditioned mind that the gay pain body has lived with for centuries. The conditioned mind that conditioning put into place by society, religion, peer pressure, puts in place the need for conformity. One gets married, either knowing or not, yet aware of their own natural sexual orientation, and the suffering begins in earnest. For the person, the partner, the spouse, the the children, the pretending begins. If one acts upon the urge, the guilt and shame sets in. Many times, Even without acting upon the urge, the internal dialogue sets in motion the same guilt and shame. Who suffers here? We speak so much about family values. What value does the energy of the falsehood bring bring to the world of marriage? Indeed, the marriage is only that made of paper. How can there be true intimacy when this is so? How can one be present to the other? The bottom line is the thing is so exhausting so horrendously disruptive. So I end with that and just know that honesty above all of that, the truth is setting people free, one person at a time. And I'd, I'd just really like to thank Greg and Leo for hosting this subject. I know it's a painful subject for many, but I deeply appreciate and love each of you that are helping some people to live a free, peaceful, happy life. Thank you all very much. You're quite welcome, Nick, and and thank you for for joining us and and sharing your story and and your insight on this. Uh, And uh, we certainly hope that the conversation can can continue uh, through our website. People can contact you. We're going to put your uh, your email address there, your your contact information there, so people can contact you. Uh, Thank you again uh, for for sharing and uh, for leading us in this uh, very, very uh, enlightening and uh, hopeful uh, and loving conversation. Thank you, Nick. Thank you all. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you, Nick. And, Leo, any last observations from you on the call? There's there's something um, that transcends, like I said, the labels. Um, that that's, I, I, I love that concept of transcending the labels and transcending the ego structures, and whether it, it's... Uh, you know, social labels, social uh, ego structures, and and getting to to the the, the thing that unites us all. Um, and at the same time, I think that this perspective uh, of the the other, the, the the gay man or the the immigrant or the you know any any of the 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 people who are labeled as other, um, the perspective there, the respect for difference, I think is is something that's um, that's that's wonderful because um, it allows us to see the difference in ourselves. It allows us to cherish when we are honest the difference in ourselves, uh, and by extension the difference in others. And uh, in a way, what that really acknowledges is the different forms, the forms that uh, that life expresses itself as. And those forms are so widely, amazingly different. I mean, God, how many species have been on this planet? How many forms of existence of life are there, right? And so uh, being gay, being an immigrant, being Latino, being black, being whatever, it's just another form. It's just another form. And they're the life force, the common life force that unites us all goes so beyond the form. Um, so respecting the difference is really respecting the different types of forms that life expresses itself as. And, and ultimately, that's an acknowledgement of the wonder and the brilliance of, of life. Um, so that, for me, that's, that's been a, a great uh, 
um, point that, that, that's come uh, out of this conversation and insight. Uh, and again, thank you, Nick, for joining us and for helping us uh, uh, get, uh, get these, these nuggets of insight. Uh, and I certainly hope that it's been uh, uh, useful and, and, and enlightening for, for all of our listeners. Thank you all so much. Thank you for having us. Peace to all. All right, that'll that'll wrap up the call. I'm pretty much there with Leo. I just you know, just being uh, more open, more accepting, more to recognize the diversity, you know. And for me, my state of presence and growing in presence and and the teachings of Eckhart Tolle and how they've supported me and do that has allowed me to to be just that, to be this space, this opening. So mm. really encourage everybody to recognize this diversity and honor and acknowledge it just for what it is, another creation of God and how magnificent is that. So, And with, with that, we'll wrap up the call. Thanks, everyone, for okay. joining us tonight. And, and thanks, for everyone, for, for listening. And we'll have this uh, edited and released as a podcast here shortly. And look forward to, to the... You know, when we release it on the website, if you're if you have a comment or if you want to share your situation in the comment section on the website, we you know we invite you to stop by and 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 do that and continue this very powerful conversation. And really grateful that we had this opportunity to do this tonight, and grateful for Nick and for for making this conversation available and for sharing his experience, and also grateful for Randy. Just I uh, wanted to remind everyone, in case you're getting the podcast through iTunes, uh, the, the website is actually www.livingwithtole.com, and uh, we also have a Facebook fan page, and we're developing our, our Twitter presence as well, so the dialogue can continue on a number of different uh, spaces. But you can get all the information, all of the additional podcasts, and, uh, and continue through your comments and suggestions and questions. Um, all of that uh, at the website, livingwithtoli.com. So thanks for joining us, everyone. And thanks, Nick, and thanks, Greg. Thank you all. All right. Take care, everyone. Have a wonderful evening, and we will connect soon, I'm sure. Take care.